Welcome to the War Podcast. Hello and welcome to the War Podcast. Today we're talking to lovely Saman Akhazadeh. Did I say that correct? Um, yes. And I am actually not going to introduce you. I will start by asking you to please introduce yourself to us. Thank you so much, Maina um, John, for having me today. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, as you said, my name is Saman Akbarzada, and I am an author from Afghanistan. I started writing from a very young age after getting inspired by my mother. So I was around the age of six. Um, I wrote poems at first and then short stories. And later I wrote scripts. And in 2018 was when I began started uh, writing novels. And I created my Instagram account, which was my way of um, sharing my poems with people. And it was like the sort of the only way to receive feedback. And I had my own little community, which was uh, beautiful. Um, eventually after receiving, like after literally losing the count of uh, rejection letters, I received uh, my contract for my debut novel, which I have in here, Life is a Movie. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the story of a working child and his mother in Kabul, Afghanistan. Um, and then I was really happy with it um, and really proud that finally it's out. Uh, later in 2022, in November, my book, A Glimmer in the Dark, got published, which is pretty recent. Yeah, I have that too. <laughs> so <laughs> I, just to go back a little bit, you said, um, did you grow up in Afghanistan? And uh, I was in, born in a neighboring country in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And I spent the first eight years of my life there, having a beautiful childhood. And I moved, uh, we moved to Afghanistan when I was eight. And I grew up uh, basically most of my life in Afghanistan. I was there 11 years until I had to flee recently. Right. When when you did that move, I know that, you know, eight years old is very young, but it's still mm -hmm. heavily impactful because that's when you're sort of coming into yourself as a child. Mm -hmm. And as an eight year old moving from a different country to Afghanistan must have had its own set of um, impact on you, of impacts on you. Was it something that you found really difficult, something you looked forward to or something you kind of resented that you were moved at that age? Um, absolutely. It's, uh, I think, one of the major points that had an effect of who we became as humans, my entire family was moving to Afghanistan. I was exposed to so many things that I was completely ignorant about, you know, um, living life away from, of course, I grew up listening to Farah Dalia and all the artists of, from Afghanistan, listening to the stories about Afghanistan from my parents, visiting Afghanistan several times to meet relatives and everything, but still, um, moving completely and living there was quite an experience. It taught me, it changed the perspective of life that I had. I believe um, when you grow up in another country um, that you don't kind of experience what living life in Afghanistan is, you're very naive. But Afghanistan really taught me what life is really about. And it, it, it certainly um, changed the way I wrote and perceived the world. So it had a huge impact. I mean, that resonates with me quite a lot, but um, for someone who might not know, you know, what that means, like why would living in Afghanistan be so impactful on who you are? 
Can you give me some examples of, you know, what really it was that from a neighboring country to Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're similar, but in a sense, it's mm-hmm. not. People would not imagine that it would be such um, an immediate impact on on a daily life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, it's the insecurity. That's something so normal that you could do in another place. You cannot do it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the it's also I think insecurity was the first thing and also listening to stories about and meet literally meeting the people who have gone through so much and you that's listening to stories and meeting people who had struggled so much in their life that was another part of it being in the society and I want to where everybody has such a unique story to tell about the past, like the, um, the how the war ended in the civil war with, when it happened and how in 1996, when the Taliban took over, how many lives were impacted through that, how many people are losing and have lost their loved ones. Yeah. That was um, something that really like shocks you. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's kind of um, what maybe you knew logically even before going, even at a young age, that there is um, an impact of conflict and, and insecurity and instability to be living amongst people who have, um, who that's part of their everyday life um, is is a different sense of community than it is um, from the outside. Um, and I know you said you were inspired to write from your mom. So you're inspired to write, you're already kind of a, uh, an avid writer at eight years old. You moved to Afghanistan, and like you said, you're impacted by um, just how different life is and how much people have gone through. Um, It sounds to me like sort of a natural segue into that affecting your writing. Can you tell us about about that? Mm -hmm. So even when we moved to Afghanistan at the first years, because my parents were homeschooling me and and decided to homeschool me, and then I would go to high school in person. So I was kind of still uh, kept in my own little safe house and away from the society and um, life as is, you know, in person going to school and listening to what people are going through. So, and also for the mo- most part of like 2000, we can say from 2010 to 2016, things were not as bad as it got later. Like maybe a tragedy would happen once a year, once in the six months. And if, if you were like in the city of Kabul, you were quite safe. So it did not impact that much at that time. I was still in my own little world, you know, the sci-fi and fantasy genres was what I wrote mostly. And actually, it's quite ironic that um, I had promised myself that I will never write about Afghanistan because it bothered me so much that the way we were stereotyped in the media so uh, that was the early years, but as a, in my late teenage years, when I went to school in person and I literally saw like my neighbor crying to my mom about her miserable life and all of the struggles she had to go through because of being a woman in Afghanistan. And um, also reading um, Khaled Usaini's A Thousand Splendid Sons, it really, I, I kind of literally changed my perspective about how I should write uh, and I and I it was like um you know a moment of realization that actually those are the women who need a voice right now if I don't write about them because it bothers me that we are getting stereotyped in the media 
if someone else doesn't write about it and she herself, the language is such a barrier that she cannot express her pain, then what's going to happen to all these marginalized people? Right. So that was when I decided that I'm going to write about Afghanistan. And, you know, it was when I wrote, um, it's funny because my first novel, um, which isn't still published yet, it's still a, a war story, but I have given the characters foreign names. And I thought by doing that, I've sort of alienated from Afghanistan. It just made the guilt worse. And eventually after writing Life is a Movie, when I wrote it, like 90% of it in, with tears in my eyes was when I realized how much of this heavy burden I had been carrying. And, you know, only by being authentic, we, we, we can find peace. That's just so well said. I mean, I, it really resonates with me that the sense of guilt that you are um, dumping an identity on your people that is so uh, one-dimensional and and victimized and I completely understand mm -hmm. that and I, I, I can see the hesitation that you're sharing even now with that that you didn't want to be part of that and it bothered you and it bothers so many of us for example it's mm -hmm. the reasons we're even here right now because so few even as you amplify Afghan um, voices to the point of a published book you're still not necessarily at the forefront of, of speaking for um, or amplifying those voices. So the sense of responsibility, I completely understand that. But what I will say, having, um, you know, just even started reading um, your book, which is not the one that hasn't been released, obviously, it's your collection here, is that you, you, you do face the realities of, um, you know, the, the tragedy that is war and those, um, the situations that people have had to endure and aren't and you know that needs to be said and needs to be heard but you've never you've never done it with that or I don't see it done without the the other part of reality which is that there is a glimmer of strength and beauty that comes with those things I think you said um one thing about you know that is intensely difficult about war is that you don't get to cherish your people for long enough. And I loved the way that you said that because it's like war is not just no longer caring about or loving this place. In fact, it makes you love your home and your people more. And I don't think that that is said enough. Exactly. Um, there was also, and I'm sorry, I know that I'm quoting you a lot here, but you said war might be evil, but it's only through its ruins that we find a kind of measure others are unaware of, the value of being together, the certain truth that tomorrow is never promised. And um, I just think it's so beautiful, not only for Afghans to have their voice amplified about what is so incredibly difficult about what their lives are, but, but that those lives are treasured and that those lives are valued and that um, the sadness doesn't come from only worrying that you might be killed. The sadness comes from wishing that you could just live that that life that is beneath that surface of that insecurity. Um, so I really appreciate that your writing does include that. So I hope that you don't hold any guilt of typecasting because you're <laughs> not doing that. Um, oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much. I, I hope that people do pick up your books. I'm going to uh, repeat the titles Um Life is a movie is the novel that's coming out and a glimmer in the dark. It has come out. Oh, it has come out. I'm sorry. Life, Life is a movie was the debut novel. Okay. Okay. And the glimmer in the dark is uh, uh, there as well. How did you come up with the titles? When I asked about Life is a movie, because as people use uh -huh. all the time that, oh, your life sounds like a movie. If I were to talk to mm -hmm. them, 
Afghanistan, really just every yeah. day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's the reason. Um, at first, when I said to people, life is a movie, is my debut novel, they would sort of think of a fairy tale or, you know, had a positive um, view to life. But for me, life is a movie is is literally like with plot twists and tragic events that happen in each of our life. Like look at Afghanistan, how, how the way it fell was like a movie scene and a, a very, very tragic one. So that's what I meant with life as a movie. There are characters that we cherish in our lives. And sometimes there are scenes that you can literally memorize like a photographic memory. And that, that's literally how I came up with the title. It has an ending. It has chapters that we have to get through. It has commas where we have to pause. It has sequences. It has plot twists. It has loved ones who we lose. And like a movie, it's emotional and it's beautiful. And like a movie, it's it's very fast. I think you referred to that as well too. Like we don't, as people who live, uh, uh, people who are from Afghanistan even, you know, whether or not you've lived there, your identity mm -hmm. at such a fast pace. And it's, you know, mm -hmm. we've had, I don't think we've had entire gen an entire generation even who is able to say that they lived, um, in, I mean, unless you, God forbid, die really young or completely lose sense of being from Afghanistan, which also is tragic in its own sense, uh, in, its, in its own department. But as, as people who do connect with the Af Afghan identity that we have, um, it is so fast. You don't get to slow down and it is a movie. So I think it's a very, very apt title choice as well. Um, on, the, on the topic of writing, which I won't go um, further into it, but I will just really on a personal note, highly recommend that people read your writing. I think it's beautiful to see it. it. It's pretty incredible that, you know, to imagine that English isn't the language you were raised in because you're you're quite um, composed and, and well-spoken in it. Um, but, and when it comes to writing, besides my recommendation of your book, do you have favorite authors that you can recommend? Because people are often stuck with, um, in English especially, but also in Zeddy, like where do I learn more about um, my identity or how can I learn it besides just the books that, that chronologically explain the wars that have been happening? How can someone connect more to a life similar to yours, similar to those neighbors you talked about? Yeah, I believe read as much as you can from every perspective as you can. I'm not going to recommend a single author. I'm going to say, Whenever you see there's another one author who has written something, go read it. Don't, don't hesitate um, in fear that, oh, wait, if, what if it's wrong? Or what if everybody has their own perspective of what war and life in Afghanistan meant to them. And it's not fair to just read one part of it and not the other perspective. So go ahead, read every um, single Afghan author you find. Personally, I've been really influenced by um, Khaled Asaini's works. So that is someone I recommend reading. But um, again, I'm, I'm going to recommend every single Avon author out there. Just go, go and read it. I'm going to back up that part of your recommendation that says, you know, to expand on it. Because I think the danger of someone, um, you know, owning a space so alone like that, like Khalid Husseini is very famous and I respect his <laughs> writing so immensely. But if we don't expand on that, then we start to take a book that's meant to be fiction as a reflection of a fact for everyone. And so you do want to look 
at everything through as many lenses as as possible. And I, I will I will most certainly agree with that. Um, I did see that you know music you said influences you even more than than books do. So can I ask about some songs you like then, or some music that had an impact on you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love music. I grew up listening to English songs a lot, and the genres that I at first, it was sort of pop that I liked a lot and maybe a little bit of rock. Mm -hmm. But um, later, I really loved indie folk and indie alternative. So all of those artists are pretty not uh, very underappreciated, I believe, and underrated. So if I name them, I'm uh, I unfortunately, I don't think anybody would. Most of the people have not listened to them. Uh, so, and I love listening to classical music also especially when writing, it helps me focus. Um, you know, sometimes our thoughts are so loud that we have to quiet it down with something even louder. And then that's what classical music does for me when I'm writing um, ambient music. And yeah, that's why it sort of inspires me. I have a story to share. So I'm working on um, a novel right now, which is again, taking place in Afghanistan. It's about the fall of Afghanistan. And I am at the editing process of it. So since we came out, that was um, something that really helped me make it through, you know. It feels like you are writing the novel, but at the same time, this novel is that is helping you get through. As a creative, I think um, a lot of people would relate that the creation that we are making is also something that is making us get through. Yes. So this novel that I was, yeah, uh, this novel that I'm uh, working on recently, I... I was really drawn to this piece called Le Mal du Pays, and it's uh, by Eric Christian, but I think it's um, inspired by Franz Liszt's uh, Le Mal du Pays. So I was listening to this and over and over for hours while writing, and I was like, why am I so drawn to this? I Googled Le Mal du Pays, and the first thing that comes up is that it means homesickness. Wow. And I was like, okay, I didn't need to even search more about it. I said, I got my answer. So that's a way that, you know, music connects. So before even knowing what it is about, you can, it has its own magic and language. And I really can connect to it. I'm lucky to have that. I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. I find that that's quite common in, um, in people who are just dealing with war as what I, I always refer to it as the backdrop. Right, like that's the thing about living in a country um, in in an active war. Um, it it may not have those um, bullets flying in front of you as people imagine uh, every moment to be, but the coping and the un the, the dealing with that weight of insecurity that you may not um, you may not make it back home once you leave your house in the morning. Um, a lot yeah. of things come, uh, I, I find, way more prevalent in places like Afghanistan um, or Afghanistan specifically, um, like music and finding that beauty in music and finding that beauty in poetry. And um, I don't know that it's something that you need to push in our communities. It's it's just naturally something that, um, that has comforted uh, Afghanistan for so many years and so many generations. So I think um, while in some sense, we don't, so many issues have led to us not being able to amplify our artists and our um, creatives to the extent we want. Um, I like to always share with people that 
in our within our communities, there is such an immense respect for that creativity and for that because we connect to each other so deeply and to the rest of the world so deeply through music, through art, through writing. Um, so it's really highly respected from person to person, whether or not mainstream it gets it, it gets the attention. Absolutely. Yeah. So we talk about we just now when I said, you know, music is a coping sort of mechanism. What are what are some ways that your daily life, you know, after eight years old, as you're growing up, you're going to high school, that backdrop of war, um, how did it look in your daily life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, at the beginning, writing was um, all rainbows and sunshines and happy ending for me. But later, as, as simultaneously as the situation was getting worse, my writing was also becoming intense. Mm -hmm. And it was, for the sole purpose, a way for me to cope with everything. So, for instance, a Life as a Movie is about a working child. And I, when I went to high school, I saw this little kid selling cotton candy near the school. Mm -hmm. And when COVID happened, so I was thinking about him. Like why he is literally locked in his home and he cannot sell cotton candy. So what is he going to eat tonight? Um, and millions of working children in Afghanistan. You would go in the street and you would find so many of them. Like what would happen to them and all the people? It really just made me think about them all night and all morning. And as a way to cope with that, I would create characters, name them in my own world and then make them survive. That was my mechanism to cope with everything or I would write poems about their pain and you know as an Avon author I think I can speak up for all of the Avon authors I believe that our purpose of writing about Afghanistan the main purpose is literally to make people take action for the marginalized communities like our purpose is to for you to acknowledge our suffering it's not just shaking your head or pitying what is happening. That's not what we want, because if you are um, being sad for fictional characters, but being indifferent to the real versions of them, right now in Afghanistan, that, that's hypocrisy. And unfortunately, right now, the, the same characters that you are um, grieving for or being sad for while reading about Afghanistan are increasing in appalling ways. Yeah. And it's been like two years and, um, you know, the more time passes, the more people are becoming numb to it, while at the same time simultaneously enjoying um, Afghan tragic stories. Right. Well, so would, that, that's, what would you say to someone who, you know, just thinks the real stuff is too heavy? You know, this is fiction. It's, it's just a fictional story, so I can read it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are, are in that trap where real life is too much to acknowledge, but that reading about it is not coming from a place of dehumanizing, but it's a personal, um, you know, I almost want to say that it's, they don't feel capable of addressing what's really going on. How can they transition from reading a tragic story about, for example, women in Afghanistan or someone in Afghanistan to, to acknowledging the real life suffering? It's a decision that they have to make. It's being brave enough to accept the way our world is. Like, it's, if you're going to ignore the real, in reality, you're, it's like, you know, an ostrich putting its head under sand and saying that, oh, no, no, everything is fine. This is fiction. Even if 
just because we name it fiction doesn't mean that it's not happening right now in Afghanistan. Actually, we uh, really try to make this a little bit soft paced so people can, it's, it's readable. Right. Um, all of my friends, uh, they told me recently that when we recommend your book to other people, we literally give them warnings. You know, this is going to be really sad and this is going to break your heart. Yeah. While I myself personally think that there's a lot of things that I have held back. Right. There's a lot of stories that are so sadder and real, especially for women in Afghanistan. And it's a decision that they have to make that, okay, this is fiction, but at the same time, the even sadder versions of them are humans who are getting through that and living in Afghanistan right now. Okay, that's, um, yeah, it's going to be personal. I mean, and at the end of the day, we're still gonna have a lot of people who prefer to look at uh, the one-on-one -on -one connection as something safe and, and fictional versus reality. But I do think that um, subconsciously even, there is some impact made. They can imagine a person because they've gotten a name and a, and a scenario and a family and a, and a background mm -hmm. characters. So it's really important work. Um, do, you, do you imagine at times what your life might've been like had war not been a part of it? What would that look like, do you think? Yeah, this question is something that I have to write a book about because it <laughs> requires such a long answer. Yeah. Um, it's asking who would you be if you weren't you, and I, I recognize yeah. it's not yeah. a lot of personal. It's not got an immediate thing, but maybe I can rephrase it to, you know, what are some things you can imagine for Afghanistan had it not been um, mm -hmm. so affected and affiliated with war? Yeah. So as a person myself, that person who wouldn't be affected by war is so alienated and so separated from who I am today that I can't even imagine who that would be. But it makes you think, you know, if that would be someone who would still write about sci-fi and fantasy and cheesy, happy endings, and not about widows and war and working children, it makes you think. It really does make you think. So what the entire career that I have and this passion that I have that has become inseparable from me would, be, would mean completely something else. Is that who, then who would I be even like, I don't know that girl. But again, if I was given like a thousand life, I would still choose the one that I have. Even though whatever happened was a tragedy, but still, because I think I would rather feel for those people who are hidden from, like, you know, people run away from them instead of being cold and aloof and numb. To their pain and not understanding that so I would rather be somebody coming from those people and understanding their perspective knowing what they go through rather than not having an, a sense and being in my own little utopia uh, but at the same time I do wish that you know it's it's the what ifs that really does something to our psyche that what if the war didn't happen like what if we just had simpler normal lives you know reunions like uh, if I was in Afghanistan I would be we would have reunions for, for high school we would go to university together you wouldn't have to say good say goodbye to your best friend you would your li entire life wouldn't feel like a marathon running and running and and there is no red line and you're running in circles and it's happening again and again 
and you're just you meet some people on the way but before even saying hello you're already imagining when will I say goodbye because that's what life has become to you you know I mean yeah I am we can't imagine you know what if this didn't happen it's a difficult question I ask it even though I know I would have trouble answering it myself and and I too agree with um ultimately the reward of of being who we are and where we're from is is, is nothing I would I would ever trade even at the cost of what it's meant um it's very much dictated so many of our lives and where we are and um and and that is it is what it is but also war isn't forever and also the ups and downs and the constant running and the constant movement and the constant change means just means we we have room for hope and room for for seeing a potential of war you know not ending and you you talked about um in the in the concept of moving forward i liked what you said about having to first be present in where we are um so if you were to be able to say something to afghans you know about moving forward whether it's moving forward in a new country moving forward within afghanistan moving forward rebuilding again what are your thoughts when people talk about like you know how does an Af uh, someone from afghanistan someone who suffered war even consider moving forward in life yeah i see i have two separate message for the two different groups of afghans one was who are currently in afghanistan and one who have made it out for those in afghanistan i do not find the audacity to tell them to move forward because currently because moving forward has this touch of making peace with what with what has happened and i do and you know what is happening is not something that one can make peace with or accept i only wish them the strength to get through and literally by even existing right now you know afghanistan seems like it's a part of this world but it feels like it's been it's been floating around in another universe and has been so isolated and the more people and the international communities are becoming numb to its tragedy and not taking responsibility the more deeper it goes into that chasm and black hole um that that's that's uh, the, i i can only wish the strength for them to get through and um i applaud their resistance their faith that that they still believe that one day Afghanistan will be liberated and i get i actually get inspired by those people like their faith and their hope is ineffable for those of us who have made it out you know it's strange but because once you are in the chaos you don't have that perspective of what you have gone through but once you have made it out suddenly all of that has happened um will dawn on you and you will realize oh what oh my goodness i went through all of that so for those of us who have made it out i think if we sit and sulk and think over of what has happened um it will we we don't want that to control our future i think shifting the focus from um our own suffering and whatever we have went through and putting the effort to actually save our country connecting back to our roots that is something that i have a message for us you know we want the coming coming generations to look back at us and not see us being indifferent but see us united Mm-hmm. and people who made their country because one day i definitely have hope although i'm a very cynical writer or whatever 
but and deep in my heart I have the faith that one day Avon Islam will be liberated you know no tyranny has lasted forever and in that day Avon Islam will need us you know as youth who have made it out I think it's time it's time for us to exploit every opportunity we get so one day we could do something for our country and at the same time think about ways you can help them that's my message that's wonderful and yeah I think I will sort of um just piggyback from that and say yeah that that connection is is you can look at it as a service you know remaining connected to your country means that you are um remaining ready to support like you said the next cycle who we need to maintain our strength not only for ourselves but to be there for people who are in Afghanistan and um it's really easy to to lose that to lose your own strength yeah capacity your own um your own will if you are stuck in in um in a place of, of self absolutely i think i think we should we should accept the fact that there's always going to be a pre-loss version of who we are a pre-version of um you know coming out of afghanistan and now and that do, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing you know change is inevitable mm-hmm. but accepting that and um having a different alternative perspective of, okay, so I'm going to use this change for something profound and good to help my country is what I think, um, because we might ask other communities, but if we uh, as individuals from Afghanistan do not feel for our nation, nobody else is going to come and help us. Speaking of those else people, people who only know us through, you know, headlines or the word war or victim or savage or whatever they have um and you like admittedly write a lot about the suffering that comes under that heading of war and that has come from that backdrop of war i i will have to also insert that from what i've read already i know that you're not limited to that you're absolutely bringing in the strength that comes from it as well but to be um do you have any examples or something to say to people who do only look at Afghanistan through that lens? Yeah, well, I feel, I feel sorry for them. That is, that is not the right way to look at an entire nation. Yes, we have been through a lot, but you know, we, we find our own ways to happiness and to survival. And I think that's something commendable, not something to pity or let let it be a stereotype of a nation. See survival as and get inspired by those people. Like we we people from war torn countries, we are I think in within our heart really good people, and we deserve some peace in our lives. And that's the reason we come here. So for those people, I would say open your hearts and your keep an open mind and listen and just go one day in their house, knock the door and see how happy and hospitable those people are. They will literally offer you saffron tea and whatever they have in their house and try to speak to you with broken English, mm-hmm. you know, because they connect with heart to heart. Because uh, as you mentioned, that's something in the book that through war, we find a treasure of how fragile and limited and short and this life is, it's like a short dream. Those people know that and they've been through so much and so changed that they do not let the stress of how do we look or how are they going to judge me impact them. They're just themselves and casual. 
and and they just want to have a good time, good life. So we're just normal people, just like you. We're not aliens. Um, we have hopes and dreams for our country, and we have lost a lot, but we are still here, withstanding and surviving. So I think keeping an open heart, loving them, being extra kind to your neighbor who is speaking a different language, because you know that's literally a little bit of love and peace as all these people want. Imagine nobody leaves their house um, for fun and come to another place where you don't even know the language, the culture and everything. So it's, it's a huge cultural shock and difficulties that those people have to go through. So, and unfortunately, even the discrimination is so much and it feels like they're get, being discriminated for being a refugee or immigrant. It's like you're getting punished for surviving. Like, why did you survive? Yeah, so I think, um, yeah to say about that so I won't even start but yeah I agree that there's a lot to be learned from that perseverance um you know Afghans because of what is the backdrop of all of our identity being being so intense and and um, moment to moment at times um you learn to value life in a way that I think a lot of people could learn from and that I think a lot of people are undervaluing um, and survival is not an accomplishment. It's just something that we deserve and didn't have. So I think um, it's, I could certainly talk to you for a long time just because there's so many head, headings of things that you know, we, we really are like-minded in and that I think a lot of people need to hear because uh, as much as we, have, you know, as Afghans know who we are, we know where we're from, we know what we're dealing with, we we lack, I think, the opportunity to pause and discuss in this in this sort of manner. You know, you know what's been really hard, and we have to sit with it and know it and hear it and have it be heard. Mm -hmm. Also, um, what are our strengths that we have found among underneath that umbrella of? Mm -hmm. And I think you address these things so beautifully, and I'm really looking forward to reading the other book as well. Um, and I really, really appreciate the inspiration that comes from from reading. It's you know, war is not something that's foreign to me. It's not something that I didn't live with the fear of. But I, I do think that um, that connection that can happen for someone who hasn't lived in it through reading your work is so it's so valuable. So thank you for doing it. Thank you for speaking with me. Um, thank you for sharing about yourself. It's been so nice to know you, to get to know you. Um, and for people to understand what kind of um, ta immense talent and, and you know, thought-provoking and caring um, talent we have. I'm happy for people to meet you. Thank you so much um, for having me and for doing this amazing work. Like, I am such a fan of yours. I, you, you inspire me a lot. And no, you try to help from every angle. Like, you're keeping, you know, working on the mis um we can say mistyped or stereotyped reputation of Afghanistan and uh, showing the world the kinder way to look at our country. At the same time, you're helping so much to the marginalized and underserved people by doing literally everything you can and raising funds for them. You are one of the glimmers in the dark right now. So yeah. thank you so much so for kind. everything that you do. That's so kind. Thank you. Thank you. We, there's one thing I've learned is, um, you know, in supporting Afghanistan or in wanting better for Afghanistan, 
the biggest lesson for me has been that there's so many of us. We just need to continue to find each other, amplify each other, and support each other. We're, we are not a rarity. We are not, mm-hmm. we are not um, people who truly, truly love Afghanistan and, and want better for it are not a minority. Mm-hmm. We're just not heard as Absolutely. often. And so when we have writers like you and when we have communities continue to build, we change that. And I think that will in, in turn change the course of, of what the future looks like. So absolutely. We'll thank you so kindly again. Thank you for being with us. Thank you.